0: Out of town. Um, and I'm actually not the pastor, Brian is the pastor, I'm part of the lead team, and uh, part of being a church in a small town, Vermont, is oftentimes pastors work more than, this is not just their job, um, and so my friend Brian, he's also a math teacher during the school year, a lot of the dance department, he's the head of the math department, and leads our church, and one of the ways that I was providing and allowing him to do that is uh, through providing some leaders in our church to all one of them, so I'm super excited uh, for today. I'm super excited to talk to you today about no barriers, which is a cool topic. comes up on the screen. You get started on the slideshow so doesn't um, So no barriers is to my topic today. That's a really positive, exciting topic. We are a, uh, a world of barriers, actually. Uh, we like to put uh, barriers in between people that uh, maybe make us uncomfortable. We don't maybe welcome them into our home quite as much. We're all about sort of, sort of hiding behind uh, our fancy cars and our fancy homes and different things like that. Uh, but the, the work of God is, uh, is nowhere. The, the work of Jesus Christ has taken away everything that separates us from each other. Uh, it's possible. Awesome. And so we experience that here in Ballantown. Uh, today I want to I teach teach that through four points. Uh, my four points today are... Uh, Jesus makes 1 plus 1 equal 1. That probably been said before. Jesus gives, and I had to do research on this one, 6,109 languages, one word. That comes from the ethnologue from the Linguist society. There are 6,109 languages, of the word, yes. Jesus grants 24,000 different people groups, one citizenship. Yeah. Diversity, four. I wonder if we have a last one in there. Because <laughs> in heaven, just so you know, I don't think you can expect one language in heaven. Or even one language. we're not going to be walking around with a British accent all <laughs> time I guess this is the one language here. That's not a big joke. Um, but yeah, we're not going to have a Vermont accent. Well, we might have a Vermont accent, some of us. But everybody's not going to be talking with a Vermont accent. Just so you know. Um, so we're going to keep languages in the diverse i reading um, later on we so I'm going to talk about all these different languages coming up the glorifying. Um, so I really want to throw that in there, that we're not trying to all look the same, behave the same. There's a distinction and there's glory in it. Uh, we love that. We welcome uh, different ideas, we welcome different people groups, we welcome different languages and cultures. We love it awesome, it's what makes us uh, the church. And so I wanted to kind of start out with that saying, you know, differences are appreciated. Um, Differences are appreciated, we don't all have to uh, have the same giftings, we don't all have to uh, be up here uh, playing music or um, preaching the word, we can be serving God in a variety of different ways, so let's just hang on to that truth, okay, Um, because we're going to start out in our first passage a lot of your uh, future. And so hang on to that picture, because it was always like this. All right. So our main passage today is found in Acts 10. Uh, we're actually going through one chapter today. Um, and we're going to read through the entire chapter of Acts 10. And uh, right now I'm just going to read through the whole thing. I'm going to be reading from the screen up here. Um, for this first part, you can turn there if you'd like I also have the verses up here on the sermon. Um So, without further ado, I'm going to read go through the whole passage at once. There's going to be some weird, funky stuff in there, but I will talk about it, and I'll make it less weird, I promise. Okay, so at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Going to the next slide, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. You. just power through. Thanks. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? He asked, the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God, which is a miracle that God notices the individual and enjoys our lives. We talked about that last week. Keep going. Now Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. I think this might have been where we stopped last week. Keep going. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to him. These are more. Oh, okay. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying here. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, We have come in, we have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to this house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called guests together with his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself while talking with him peter went inside and found a large gathering of people he said to them you are all well aware it is against our law for a jew to associate with or visit a gentile but god has shown me that i should not call anyone impure or unclean so when i was sent for i came without raising any objection." May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We And to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, and Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And that's the end of my (laughs) sermon. Um, oh, okay, so we ordered that they'd be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Is that it? <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> yes? Okay. okay, good. So, um, you can see that there was some, well, there was some hostility there. Uh, there, was, there was a wall, a clear wall between Jews and everybody else. It, had, it had existed for a very long time, hundreds and hundreds of years for, for uh, many, many generations. And so Cornelius, it's important to look at who is Cornelius, who is this character? We talked about a lot about him last Sunday, um, about how he was God-fearing, um, how he prayed to God, he was devoted, and he um, honored God. But I didn't talk about one part about Cornelius, is that he was also not Jewish. And not being Jewish meant a lot then, because the message of Christianity had not yet been offered to people who weren't Jewish. Um, so imagine that. Uh, furthermore, Cornelius is a Roman officer. So a Roman, the Romans were in charge. They had taken over uh, the Jews. And they ruled over them and collected taxes from them. and. Uh, The Jewish people didn't really like that because it was promised that one day God would come back and establish his rule and reign on the earth. And so when Jesus came, they were actually hoping that he was going to overthrow the Roman government, number one, and establish his rule and reign. Which is why he over and over said, I'm going to the cross to be killed. I'm going to the cross to be killed. I'm going to the cross to be killed. That reign has not yet happened. It's not this time. It's my second coming. People didn't understand that. And so they were waiting, waiting for a Messiah. Jesus came as a suffering servant, not as a king. And they didn't like that, so they crucified him. And um, so that's where we kind of leave off. They're still waiting for for the Messiah to come. And they're still waiting for the Jewish people, the uh, Romans, to be overthrown. And so the Romans are sort of the enemy in this this case. Um, And what do the scriptures in the Old Testament say about everyone who's not Jewish? That's a hot topic. Um, So, um, one of the things about God is that he loves to set people apart. Uh, He makes a marriage covenant with us. He sets us apart. um, And he calls us his own. And he didn't do that with everybody at first. He did that with one people. He chose one random, small, actually one guy, and said, from you, I'm going to have all that you're, you're going to have here. Your, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. He chose one people group. And he said, you're special, you're set apart, you're unique, I choose you." And uh, and he said, be devoted to me alone. And um, so in order to be devoted to God alone, people, they had really had to look different. They had to stand out. They had to be set apart as his bride, his people. And so one of the big things there was if you um, get, become married to somebody who's not Jewish, what they're going to do is they're going to bring in the other gods that they worship, and you're going to get pulled away from them. And so he made some rules about that. He, he caused some separation from the people around them, which sounds strange and odd to us right now because we're not about that. But in this particular time, this, this is the way that God had the world work. And um, so if you know the Pharisees, if you've heard about Pharisees, these guys are the law keepers, and they kind of mess everything up. They took little laws like that, and they just, like, maxed them out. They said, all right, well, we can't marry anybody who's not, who's not Jewish, fine. You know what? We're going to make a law that you. you can't even drink, share the same cup. You can't even sit on the same couch. If you visit a town that's not Jewish, even their dirt makes you filthy. So their dust that's flying in the air, if you get it on, you take a bath because it makes you dirty. Um, people that weren't Jewish were you, not not uh, by God, but uh, people were viewed by people who weren't Jewish were viewed as very unclean, and if you associated with somebody, you became unclean. It's important that you know that for this whole scene to make sense and how crazy it is. Okay, so that's Cornelius. He's a Roman officer. He fears God, but he's not Jewish, and so he is actually an outsider. He's way out. Okay, so. Uh, what do we have on the screen? Yes, good. Who is Cornelius? Nice job. Um, so we've covered what else is true about Cornelius. We've covered what the scriptures say about everybody who's not Jewish in the Old Testament. Um, now we're going to get back to uh, the scriptures in verse five of Acts ten, and we're going to continue the story. We get introduced to introduce two Cornelius, so. Um, Really, everything is hinged on this moment. The entire whole Old Testament is sort of hinged on salvation being offered to everybody. So this is a big scene for you and I. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God and now send men to Joppa to bring back this random guy named Simon whose name is called Peter, and Peter means rock. So they've got to find Simon, who's called Rock. Um, who's staying with another guy named Simon who is not called Rock. And whose house is by the sea. And, uh, good, you know, good thing for, uh, this Cornelius guy, he's got devoted friends. So, it takes a devoted friend to take a mission like that. There's no GPS coordinates for this. And so when I, when I said, when I was reading that story, it's like, yeah, if, if my friend told me to go to this random town called Joppa, Uh, and uh, find this guy named Simon, who lives with Simon, and one guy's not really named Simon, it'd be really hard. I'd be like, all right, so you really want me to do that? Okay. So you'd have to have a lot of trust. Um, So I wanna talk a little bit about devoted friends. And uh, so first I wanna talk about Greg. I've got a few devoted friends, but I wanna talk about Greg. And he was not gonna be here today. And it's cool that he's here, so everybody look at Greg, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> so, it takes a while to get a devoted friend, and Greg and I have been friends for years, I um, not know, four, five years, four years maybe, uh, so it's taken a, a while uh, to, to have a friendship to where I can call him up and say, hey, can you come over kind of at the drop of a hat and help me build my fence, place, and the, with all the bugs and the heat and all that, and Greg, I know that Greg's kind of, you know, most more than likely Greg's going to say, sure, yeah, why not? Um, and it's there's a lot of safety in that. It's nice to have a friend that you could just kind of call just drop with a hat, and they will be like, yeah, I can do that. I can make that work. Um, and it takes a while to get there. It took a while for us to get there. We've been meeting together for a Bible study, like, every week for the last like, four years. So that's kind of what it took. Um, but having a, a devoted friend is awesome. Of course, uh, the one who takes the cake is Ren. Uh, my devoted friend. And, uh... Yeah, I can, I can be confident that, that she's not going anywhere, and she's gonna be supporting me um, in my decisions, and yeah, I don't know why I'm starting to get emotional, but. <laughs> anyway, definitely God's gift to us is our, devo- our devoted friends. <coughs> I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> Um, and so they, and so those guys left, and, uh, and at the same time, God has some crazy timing because uh, Peter's praying at noon, and so one guy's praying at three o'clock, and one guy's praying at noon. That kind of tells you you can pray any time you want. Um, and so at noon, Peter's on the rooftop to pray, and um, yeah, interesting. And and so here's my next point. I don't know if you can go to the next one. It, it's kind of interesting. Peter was trying to pray. But then he got hungry. And I love this. Um, in verse 10, it says he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And so and he didn't actually make the meal himself. So while the meal was being prepared, that's when he got his vision. And so I think what he, he got some sort of a craving. He probably got a craving for something like nachos. And so it's like, man, I've got to have enough nachos. I've got to pray. And so he goes downstairs. And he goes to and comes off the roof and he comes goes to his friend and he's like i gotta have some nachos and and so they're like all right fine we'll get you some nachos so they're throwing them in the microwave and so and peter's okay fine i'm going up there i can wait he's on the roof waiting for his nachos and he goes into this nacho trance yeah. he goes into a trance <laughs> and uh it's interesting that god brought him a bunch of food anyway uh so he's wishing for food and this giant menu comes floating down out of the sky on, on, this, on this, these four corners of a sheet. I'm trying to make it not weird, okay? That's what I'm trying to do. Um, and he doesn't take food down as Peter likes. That's also strange. Uh, he, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners, and it contained all these four-footed animals as, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a loud voice said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter is not like this. This is not my nacho order. Can I please have the nachos? Um, and he says, surely not. I've never eaten some, anything impure or unclean. So welcome to a little tangent. I'm going to read you a little story about some of the dietary laws that the uh, Jewish people have. Uh, and in a, in the dietary laws say you shouldn't eat what God brought down on a sheep for them.
1: And again, why,
0: why have dietary laws? Why did God do that? It's that set of partners, that specialness. You're mine, and I want you to be different. Um, so I don't know how, long I'm, how much of this I'm going to read. It's not going to be on the screen. But I want you to hear just kind of the task that people had in order to be uh, Jewish at that time. So you ready? Leviticus 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cut. You got that? There are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided cook. Yeah. But you must not eat that. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided cook. So it's not plain you." Irax, whatever that is, though it chews to come, does not have a divided hook, it's unclean. The rabbit, it choose to come, does not have a divided hook, it's unclean. The pig, though it has a divided hook, this one doesn't do that. It does not chew the come, it's unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses, They're unclean. Of all the living creatures in the water, in the seas and the streams, you may eat that have fins and scales. Things and scales. so what would be out, John? Why doesn't it have no trout? Oh. <laughs> so sad. So sad. Oh my goodness. Whether among all the swarming things, so but all creatures are streams. In streams that don't have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things, or among all the other living creatures in the water you have to regard as unclean. Since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat. You must, not re- you must regard their carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be a part of this unclean. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they're unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, the kind of black kite, and any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the seagull, the gull. I don't know. I, w- I would have heard of that one now. Any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, definitely going to You know, cormorants. The great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, and any kind of heron. The hoop, I don't know how to say that one, the hoop boy and the bat. So, I can move on to the insects if you
1: want. Uh-huh.
0: I can stop there, I guess. So, <laughs> so, so as, as, you, as you can see, so when we come up to Peter, Peter's Jewish. He got saved by God. But God has not said, he's not changed the laws yet about what you can and can't eat. And so when this this great uh, sheep comes down out of the sky and God's like, I got your food, you're hungry. You know, Peter's going to be a bit confused. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, look, you're trying to, this is a trick. You're trying to test me. Back. All right, you told me not to eat these things and so it's unclean, I'm not going to eat them. Get it? Okay, so it makes sense. All right, moving on. So what's God up to? So God has a little, a little argument with Peter. In verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything an impure that God has made clean. Whoa now, pig is back on a menu. That's pretty cool too. Right here, the moment where all of a sudden you can, you can have some bacon. This happened three times. And immediately the sheep was taken back up to heaven. So that wonderful plate of food is taken back. So, uh, you you can tell I'm having a little bit of fun with this. Um, In any case, Peter is confused. They have an argument for three times. If you know Peter, how many times did he deny Christ? Three times. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, he had this conversation with Peter. And Peter, uh, he asked Peter, do you love me? Be my sheep. How many times did he have that argument with Peter? Three times. And here, Peter, again, has his argument three times. Uh, maybe he's just stubborn, or maybe three's the perfect number. There's a, there's a reason behind it, but three is definitely something that, that Peter gets himself into. Um, so if you want to convince Peter of something, you got to argue with him three times. Anyway, it's uh, so not just a little side note. Um, so Peter doesn't get it, and he's still wondering about the meaning of the vision in verse 17. So the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was finally and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was saying, is there there a guy who's got a nickname, Rock? Because Peter means Rock. And they said, yeah, he's he's here. Um, And Peter's still on the roof at this point. I think he's probably trying to still sort this stuff out. So it says in verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So this is something scary. If God ever kind of gives this idea, He says, look, someone's coming over, but don't worry about it. They're okay. You should be worried. Right? If God's going to tell you not to be nervous about somebody coming over, probably you should... There's a reason that you're going to be nervous. So, yeah. And then, so He's sending... So God... So God is sending over somebody who's not Jewish. And if Peter invites this guy in, he's on the outside. Like he's rejected by the leaders of the Jewish people. He's way on the outside. He's actually instantly made unclean. Big deal. Big deal to invite someone who's Jewish over to your house. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied in verse 22. You've come from Cornelius, a centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. The holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. So here, um, these guys are actually inviting a Jewish person now into their home, so they're inviting the enemy to hang out with their, their leader, Master guy. And then Peter, hearing this, is going to realize these guys are from the outside, but then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guest. So then the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. And what's kind of cool about Cornelius is he gets his whole family together. He gets all his closest friends together, taking this big leap of faith for God because he's telling his friends, "I saw an angel, and the angel told me to invite this guy over, and something big is going to happen." I don't really know. Um, so, if if you if he invites all his closest friends over and it all kinds of a big flop, and he's known as the crazy guy that you know sees this angel, and you know his closest friends are going to think he's kind of off his rocker. So. It's a big deal that he invites all these people over. It's a big risk. And in verse 25, Peter enters the house. Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and said, Stand up. I am only a man myself. And so this guy, who's on the low end of the totem pole, uh, knows that he's unclean in front of Peter. And so he's like... Oh my goodness, you know, in reverence on his knees. And, uh, and the first thing that happens when they come together is you see an immediate hint of the wall coming down, of separation. He brings them up on the same level. We're equals. I'm a man, you're a man. Which is the answer, right? That's what we want to have when somebody is different from us. We're all human beings. We, all, we are all created in God's image. So, amen. All right. Um, so, I'm going to keep going in Verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went outside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You're well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Pete. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Interesting. Peter's like, all right, what do you have to tell me? And Cornelius is like, all right, what do you have to tell me? And <laughs> put it back on you. So Peter has definitely understood this at this point. He understands what God's doing, which is really cool. Then Peter began to speak. Uh, and then as I read, I want you to think about who made all the difference, who brought the... Uh, The division made an end to our divisions. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all you know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how, he, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything he did in the country of Jews and Jerusalem. They killed him hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses from God who had already, who God had already chose, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded to us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone... And that is everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Whilst Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So, I'm going to bring it home here. Back to my three main points. And I'm going to close with a a handful of verses that further illustrate the two being one, differences coming together in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes one plus one equal one. He gives six thousand one hundred nine languages one word, in his scriptures. We all have that same message um, that he's put in our hearts. Jesus grants twenty four thousand people groups one citizenship, yet he keeps our diversity for a reason. Right? We appreciate it. We love it. Um, we encourage it. So let me bring it home with that, with, with the scriptures here. Ephesians 2, 12 to 13. And uh, this you in this verse is talking about most likely everybody in here, including myself. And it's also talking about Cornelius Talking about the outsiders. We were not, at one point, not included in the in group. Verse 12 says, and I, I don't think I have these verses on the on the screen, just the main points, can stay up. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Galatians 2, 26-29 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Don't take that verse to mean that uh, there's no distinction anymore between us. It's talking about we are unified. We are unified. Revelation 7, 9. And this was my point about we're not all going to be speaking in British accents or divine accents or Swahili. Um, Revelation 7, 9 says it's a picture of a futuristic heaven. After this I looked, and, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count. That's a good thing. From every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne of God, the throne before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. one last verse to close Ephesians 2:14 to 22 for he Jesus himself is our peace who has made two groups, Jews and everybody else one and has destroyed the barrier there are no barriers so a dividing wall of hostilities by setting aside in his flesh in Jesus with his commandments don't eat this and that look different And regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two so one out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to god through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one step. Consequently, and this is us, we are no longer foreigners, we're no longer strangers, but we are fellow citizens. So we have, what is that, 6,000 different people groups? Whatever the number I had up on the screen is. <laughs> I could look back. No, yeah, whatever. Uh, so, one, 6,000 different people groups given one citizenship. In our world today, that's pretty important. Citizenship is a very, very hot topic. Um, thankfully, in Christ, we have the same citizenship no matter where we're from. We are fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you or us, we are being built together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That's the work that God's about. He's about dividing any hostility or any walls, taking them down, and bringing us together in unity. And that's what we need to be focused on when we meet new people, when new people come to our area, when we find people that we don't like versus people that we really like, we're trying to create a unity and we're trying to set our preference aside. Uh, And in doing so, we can get a little slice of heaven when all different tongues and languages will be worshiping God in one voice, in one truth. Uh, So let's be excited about that today. And... uh, yeah, let's pray for that. Let's pray that uh, God would help us in that, because we all have things inside of us. We all have uh, little little dark spots in our hearts, uh, seen in our hearts, um, that kind of gives us a uh, gives us a wall to, between us and somebody else. And we need God to take that down. He's the only one that can do it. Um, and we want we want that uh, we want people around our table that, that look different, that talk different. They have different ideas that are way off the mark on different things. We want that. We want that in our family. We want that around our table. And so let's pursue that as a church family. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we've come to faith in you. And you're a God who made it possible for us to be unified. Because you're the unifier. What we have in common is you. You bring people that are so different together into oneness. And we hang on your truth and we pursue you. You love that, we love you. We want to be more like you. And we thank you that your plan is diversity. Your plan is uh, uniqueness. Because each can create so unique and you're loved so much by you. Publicly. Those eyes, those around us. Give us grace in that area, and forgive us if we offended you. And I pray.